when you again look at all of the issues that are at stake, including our standing in the world, I think that the people of America um, want more in terms of um, the outcome of this election and, and, and charting the, the course for the future of our country. Do you believe the recent leak of material allegedly from Hunter's computer is part of a Russian disinformation campaign? From what I've read and know, the intelligence community warned the president that Giuliani was being fed disinformation from the Russians. And we also know that Putin is trying very hard to spread disinformation about Joe Biden. Um, it's just what it is. It's a smear campaign because he has nothing he wants to talk about. In this. What is he running on? It has been a very, very clear policy, which regrettably has been attacked by people who are engaged in high levels of disinformation. They've been trying to scare people about the range of vehicles. So there's range anxiety out there. But in addition to that, uh, you, you've had uh, some pullback because communities aren't moving fast enough to give permitting to deploy some of the renewables that we need. So you've had wind farms that were going to be built that have now taken years longer than than was than that was calculated in, in making the deals, and people have had to recalculate now how that deal's going to work. So the answer is we have to all of us embrace this transition. If we're going to take five and ten years and have years of litigation over whether or not you're going to have a, a, a renewable plant somewhere nearby we're in trouble all i can say is mike mckenna for president yeah there we go <laughs> today we celebrate the legacy of reverend dr martin luther king jr a visionary who saw what could be unburdened by what had been and welcome back to the Unregulated Podcast. Tom let me do the wind-up, so I'm pretty excited. I don't know what to do next. <laughs> it's our 165th episode. Let's just say right out at the top, if you like us, what are we supposed to do? Rate, review, and subscribe? Rate, review, and subscribe. And if you don't like us, pick up the phone and tell us what you don't like about us, because we love feedback. Love feedback. All right, Thomas, a bump to you. All right, a little cleanup. Today is... Thursday. I'm not good January at this. January 18th. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm your co-host and president of the American Energy Alliance, Tom Pyle, and the other guy. I'm your co-host is Mike McKenna, and apparently I am running for president of the United States. So good news. I'll huh? vote for you. Good I news. I will vote for you if you are on the ballot. Yeah. Of course, they might. They might 14th Amendment your ass. You're you're tough. I'm running for the, I'm I'm running on the no labels ballot. I'm gonna be the no labels you're a guy. Meanie. You're a meanie. <laughs> All right. So uh apparently the Russian hoax thing was was the hoax and not the actual laptop. Go figure. Oh boy. Go figure. I yikes. I, yeah. This thing has no happy so this, ending. So look, th I just brought this up because basically Fox uh and many, many others reported. DOJ acknowledges Hunter Biden's laptop is real. Contents match Apple iCloud backups. Federal prosecutor filed court documents on Tuesday, urging the judge not to grant Hunter Biden's request to dismiss charges against him. Um, they further acknowledge in court documents that the laptop dropped off is real, adding that the contents were matched in the documents. Justice said IRS and FBI obtained a search warrant, blah, 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 for tax violations by September 21. 2021, and this is a warning to all our listeners, 
who use Apple iCloud. Apple produced backups of data from various electronic devices Hunter backed up to his iCloud account, mm. et cetera, et cetera. Well, I'm glad to see Justice Department's finally concluded that the sky is, in fact, blue and Earth goes around the sun, stuff like that. I mean, I, here we are four years on. They're like, yeah, it seems I, legit now. I'm like, great, thanks. Shooting's but, over. Too late. Can you... I say this all the time, and I'll repeat it. I can't it. talk. I can't even talk. I know. Like, well, I, am, I will at a loss for words. words. Yeah. Well, it's pretty easy. Every time somebody asks me if I'm cynical about the United States, I always say no. But I am deeply cynical about the federal government. People ask me why. I'm like because of stuff like this, right? I mean, the FBI takes three and a half years to acknowledge what everybody could see with their own eyes. Um, you know, and you're supposed to be like, hey, that's okay. You know, they surveil a presidential campaign. That's supposed to be okay. They surveil um, Senate staff. That's supposed to be okay. They surveil journalists. That's supposed to be okay. And then they do something like this, and we're all just supposed to say, oh, hey, thanks. Instead of saying, yeah, thanks for the update. It's like every single major media outlet that helped perpetuate this ought to be writing like front page articles about how they were wrong. Yeah. Well, and I, 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 I mean, I'm not, not only that, but it, this is why he's, we'll get into this later. This is why he's yes. winning. Yes. This is why he's winning. It's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons. Apparently, we, there's a segment in our uh, topics on Davos, but I had to front load <laughs> this one from special envoy, Carrie. It is shocking to me how... Dis, uh, associated. <laughs> disconnected this disconnected is. I mean, where you been? Reality. Oh my God! We apparently, Mike, we are doing a such a good job of spreading misinformation and propaganda about range anxiety that it is uh, the culprit. Did you know? Why people Did... aren't embracing. Aren't they're not wrapping their hands around Did our you... agenda? Did you know that? Did you know that? Energy projects are being not allowed to proceed in place. That that there's local opposition. Who are these people? I, I, I'm like this endless <laughs> litigation. It takes five and ten years for projects. Uh, this is the in, this is the structure by which their people set up. You for, know, after years and years I, and years. I, I, I was going to say this. This these walls have been painstakingly um, built brick by brick by by. Um, Senator Kerry's own guys. I will I will do one thing. I want to get it out right now. I want to invite Senator Kerry or Envoy Kerry or Secretary Kerry, whatever, whatever um moniker he prefers. I would like him to spend two days with me. Um follow me around and have some sense of how it is to try to navigate the federal government when it comes to permitting. Just okay. you know, uh, the, the the invitation is open. Any two or three days that you could make. You'd sit on all my calls, come to all my meetings, and see what it's like live and in person. He'll have, he'll have a little bit of time on his hands. We'll get to that later. Um, that is a man. That is you are you're a charitable guy to be willing to spend forty eight hours with John Kerry with special care. Although he may fly you around in his private jet, so. that would be awesome. But what he and, really and he may take you windsurfing. Even though it's a little bit cold, but what, I know he's a tough what guy. What he really, so. what he really would do is is be faced with the same diet the rest of us are faced with, an endless series of meetings where various elements of the federal bureaucracy say, 
I'd like to help you, but that would involve me helping you. And I'm not, well, I don't want to do that. So good luck to you. Um, of course, uh, uh, Mike McKenna is now being drafted by the talk radio set in Colorado. Is that where you're hitting? Yeah. Was? John Rush, Rush to Reason. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, we'll throw your whole segment in the show notes. Because... <laughs> I don't know what I didn't listen to the whole thing. I don't know what you told them. Well, I, I just we talked a little Apparently bit. You gave a hell of a stump speech. We talked a little bit about the survey. We talked a little bit about what people are already paying for climate change. And one of the guys, Andy, I don't know, I didn't catch his last name. Andy was like, they're already paying. When I got to the ten dollar median response, he's like, they're already paying more than that. I was like, oh, <laughs> this guy knows something, right? Yeah, and I think I may something. have said that in the in the interview. I'm like, oh, you know something. Well, good. And let's talk about that for a second. And you know, he of course started in on ethanol immediately. I was like, okay, these these people should be, um, you know, either incarcerated or given some sort of an award. I'm not sure which. Maybe both. All right, so uh, the front, I, I, I bookended the clips with, with Kamala. Kamala is back out on the stump. The word salads have returned. And apparently, um, even Martin Luther King Jr. was unburdened by what had been. And so oh, we hope brother. that you all enjoyed your MLK day. Unburdened, Mike, by what had been. I was unburdened by everything except for the freezing cold, man. I, I think I sat inside all day. It was, it was cold. I, the good news is, and we should get some bets down about this or take some bets down and be bookies. Like, who's going to have the cringiest moment out on the campaign trail? Is it going to be Special Envoy Kerry or is it going to be Vice President Harris or is it going to be President Biden? But you know, one of those three is going to have some cringeworthy moments. Oh, I, I couldn't even tell you who's going to win that award. And Trump, you got to throw Trump in there. too. Yeah, so. but you know, the great thing about Trump is, is when he has his cringeworthy worthy moments, he makes light of it and just keeps right on motoring, right? He, yeah, he doesn't really true. he doesn't really slow down and let you enjoy it. It wasn't too much. actually scripted. That's the worst part. <laughs> For the other guys, yeah, he had no their help. Stuff was, their stuff was actually scripted. Um, okay. Um, speaking of cold, I I feel so bad for all those Tesla owners out in Chicago. So NBC, did you see that? NBC forgets. Did I see it? Everybody saw it. NBC News ran a eight minute segment on it last night. And it was epic. <laughs> it was epic. It had this. It had this one old black dude who was like driving, like apparently a rental car, a rental, a rental electric vehicle from his from his dealership. And his the walkaway quote from him. He's driving along with his wife. Walkaway quote from him. She's like, "Well, would you like it, honey?" He's like, "I ain't never buying one of these. This is ridiculous. Give me a gas car." <laughs> and then you cut back to Lester. I'm telling you, Lester, whatever his name case was. For us. So it was I, I so beautiful from. Auto evolution, um, Arctic cold that hit Chicago turned Teslas into quote a bunch of dead robots. <laughs> the extreme cold wave that hit Chicago transformed Tesla cars and many other EVs into a bunch of dead robots. Dozens of vehicles lined up at charging stations at sub-zero temps, with the batteries completely drained. Most of them arrived there with the help of tow trucks. Thermometers have been showing temperatures. Can as I stop low you there for a second? Days. Yeah. yeah. So I'm sorry. Were the tow trucks powered by what? Ele no, they were not like big, big old, big old Detroit diesels. No. So the key here is, is, of course, it's a simple. It's simple. You just need to keep your your battery charged no less than twenty percent. So that's important. And <laughs> so you you have to heat. No, no. I'm not done. You have to heat up the engine. Heat up the battery. You can't let it be get cold because it won't. The supercharger won't work the right the same way. 
So it's user error, Mike. This is not the technology. It is people. It is people who are just too irresponsible to handle the simple yet yet important steps to preserve the battery's charge so that it can indeed withstand these frigid temperatures. Yeah, there were there were three things. Thank you. Bunch of rubes. You're just a bunch, a bunch of, rubes. of rubes. There were three things about it that struck me. Bunch of rich rubes. Three things. First off, um, NBC News, that 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 eight-minute bit or six, six-and-a-half-minute bit, whatever the heck it was, um, was re- remarkably down the middle. You know, they, they weren't they weren't homers. They even pointed out that, hey, in the cold weather, your range is going to drop about 40 percent. And they had an expert on there, expert. I didn't catch his name. They had an expert on expert, put it in quotes, who said, hey, man, this stuff just doesn't work in the well in the cold, in the warm, when it's heat, when it's really hot, when it's cold or when it's towing something, you know, well, there's also the range. This article also said that there's a, there was a question about whether the superchargers themselves even work in those conditions. So. It's not even just the batteries and and preconditioning the batteries. The chargers themselves may have uh, have been affected by the weather. And that was so. the second thing. That was the second thing that came to to my mind. Right. This was a story about Tesla. Right. These cars were all Teslas. They weren't the second tier. These were the very well, best. These were the very they're the best. only cars. They're all, right. only EVs out there. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But these are the very best of the EVs. These are the highest performing yes. ones. And then the um. The third thing that struck, third thing that struck me, I, and they just kind of NBC kind of tucked this in, like, hey, you know, the guys who got towed out, yeah, they're not just going to have to get cho- recharged; they're probably going to have to get repaired. And I was just like, what, yeah. what do you, yeah. wait, wait, what do you mean repaired? What does that mean? What's that going to run? Exactly. <laughs> I was just like, oh man, I, it was. <laughs> yeah, so I, I do feel bad for all them, all them uh, Tesla owners out in Chicago. Uh, I, I, I don't. obviously want anyone to get, you know, to 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 get hypothermia or any of that. I don't want stuff. anybody to get hurt, but the bottom but line hey, is they're driving around on cars that I people should be free to choose the types of vehicles that best suit their needs. I agree totally, and you know what? I should also be free not to have to pay for the choice of somebody else. All these cars that failed, we paid for some of them. Some portion of them I we know. paid for. You know, uh, it it's. I don't know. It's been a bad couple of months between Proterra and this thing. I'm kind of wondering what's going to happen next. Um, all right. So on a on a more somber note, and and that was kind of an announcement that I felt bad for those Tesla owners in Chicago. But I do, uh, my prayers do go out to the two Navy SEALs who were lost at sea, and it's been a week now uh, since the um, since the um, yes, yeah, since the mission in the Gulf there with the how do you what do you pronounce how do you pronounce those Houthis rebels Houthis Houthis yeah. so this from um business inside two navy seals remain missing off the coast of Somalia after one fell into the water during a nighttime mission on January 11th the pair were climbing aboard a vessel while on a mission in the Gulf of Aden Aden when high waves knocked into one sea the AP reported and this the second seal jumped in after him as part of the protocol to help comrade in danger, the report said, and they both vanished. Uh, we are conducting an exhaustive search for our missing teammates. So, um, yeah. you know, at this point, a weekend, I, I'm not sure. Not sure yeah, two two, two things about that, right? Two things real quick. Yeah. Um, first off, I know folks who are over there, right, in uniform. Um, 
the idea that the idea that that the idea that war can somehow be um, compartmentalized or limited off to one part of any region. Once you start shooting, once the shooting starts, once you start firing missiles at each other, bad things happen, and that's just the way it is. And I'm, I'm you know. That's thing one. Thing two is the United States Navy has a, um, and I don't know if it's for the SEALs. I hope it is. The United States Submarine Service has a tradition wherein subs lost at sea are never considered to be lost at sea, right? They just haven't returned from their patrols. And occasionally, and always on Christmas Eve, they send out, the Navy sends out a Christmas message to to all the subs who are on patrol still. I I fear that these two seals are going to be on patrol. So, yeah, yeah. It, it's this is this is this is not going to have a happy ending. None of this stuff's going to have a happy ending. That's and, right. And, and 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 this I don't want to make it political, and it's not political. This is the this is the price of weakness. Yeah, I, I, I think that's you can I think it's perfectly fair to say that. And and by every measure, um, it is the price of weakness. Even in even today or this week in Davos, uh, our Secretary of State is is lamenting the fact that President Trump pulled us out of the Iran deal. So uh, anyway, those were announcements. Thank you. Um I have a couple. Do you have something? Uh, that's it for me. Oh, I got three announcements. Uh, I guess I got four announcements. Uh, birthdays, uh, yesterday, not today, in 1706, um, Benjamin Franklin was born. Uh, probably the second greatest American who ever lived after George Washington. Um, most closely associated with Philadelphia, but he actually was born in Boston, the last of 17 children. Um Founder of the University of Pennsylvania, my alma mater. Signer of the Declaration, signer of the Constitution, one of the few who signed both, um, and generally a great, great man, um, a giant in science and letters and governance and diplomacy. Nobody, we've never created anything like him since. So Benjamin Franklin's birthday, 1706. Happy birthday, Ben. In 1825 yesterday, um, a somewhat less celebrated or well-known American, George Pickett, was born in Virginia. Um, General Pickett. Pickett's March. Pickett's Charge. Pickett's Charge, sorry. That's right. Yeah. He, about a third of his troops died in that charge. He himself never recovered from it. Um, so happy birthday, General Pickett. Um to those of us of a certain age, it'd always be Fort Pickett in Virginia. I think they changed its name to, I don't know, Fort or Lu Happy, Fort Lou Alcindor, Fort Sort Front, Fort something. Anyway, um, and then lastly, uh, we have a birthday on Saturday. Somebody we both know um, and a listener to this program, Shannon. Uh, Shannon, happy B birthday, Shannon! Happy birthday, Shannon! On Saturday, I believe. So if you know Shannon, make sure to say something nice to her on Saturday or tomorrow or Sunday or just whenever. Those are my three yeah. announcements. The other announcements I want to make is, is that this morning in the Senate uh, Environment and Public Works Committee, um, 
the Prove It Act, which is a infrastructure act constructing the apparatus necessary to impose a carbon dioxide tax on imported goods, was voted out of committee with the help of four Republicans, Senator Lummis from Wyoming, Senator Kramer from Louisiana, who's a co-sponsor of the bill, and should uh, Senator Kramer from North Dakota, who's a co-sponsor of the bill, and should know better, uh, Senator Bozeman from Arkansas, who should know better, and Senator Graham from North uh, South Carolina, who, of course, apparently never knows better. Um, I'm going to encourage everybody to call those offices and call your own senator's offices and tell them you think this idea is a terrible one. I wrote a column on it, and I'm going to put it in the show notes. Um, I left Senator Kramer's phone number in that column, so you should feel free to call his office. Those are my announcements. All right. Uh, yeah, we will uh, be monitoring that closely and working uh, as we have been uh, to enlighten the remainder of the Senate uh, about the fact that it is indeed a backdoor non, it's a cowardly way to impose a carbon tax because um, if they really want one, they should put it on the Senate floor for an up or down vote. <laughs> It's, it's so, like it's like the only thematic we have that's consistent is that one. Yeah. Across every issue, you're just like, dude, how about you guys just vote on it so everybody knows yeah. where you are? Same, same. All right. This day in history, let's let's roll through this because we got a lot of show to cover. What day is it? 1911. It's, it's, 1911 on this day in history. Uh, no clue. These are all pretty obscure. So <laughs> okay, I'm, okay, I'm no, gonna no. guess that you're not gonna guess. Sorry, no, no clue on this you one. Might. On this one, the first aircraft landing on a ship's flight deck was performed by American pilot Eugene Ely, Eli on the battleship Pennsylvania in San Francisco Bay. Damn, that must have been scary. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't want to be that guy. <laughs> Seriously, back, man. Especially back then. <laughs> <laughs> what did they hang on to? Hope we get. What, what did they snap that thing with? They didn't have rubber bands back I then. Did they, they put up a net of some variety. Still, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I, I don't. In, want, I wouldn't do. I wouldn't do it now. Go ahead. In 1967, on this day. January 1967. Uh, I, I, oh, 1967. In this day, the uh, the Packers beat the Raiders in the Super Bowl. They may have, Damn but go this ahead. Is not, what do you got? On this day in 1967, American criminal Albert DeSalvo. Oh, the Boston Strangler. The confessed serial, serial killer known as the Boston Strangler was convicted of sexual assault and various other crimes and sentenced to life. Although believed to have killed at least 11 women, he was never tried for murder due to a lack of evidence. Yeah, some gruesome killings. Gruesome killings. And finally, on this day in 1983, and this is a sport. Uh, 1983, the Redskins won the Super Bowl. No. Damn it. No, no, no. <laughs> Okay, you scoffed On this here. day in 1983, the International Olympic Committee officially reinstated the gold medals of American athlete. Oh, the guys from 1968. Um, um, Tommy and no, no, one Jim Thorpe. Oh, Jim Thorpe, really? Who had won the decathlon and the pentathlon at the 1912 Olympics in Stockholm, but was later deprived of his medals over allegations that he was not an amateur athlete. Yeah, 71, 71 years. That's how long it takes you. 83. Yeah. Jim Thorpe, uh, Jim Thorpe, as you probably know, is a personal favorite of mine. 
I like yes. him. I like him I, quite I knew, a bit. I knew that. Yeah. I knew that about him. That's why I threw this one in Thank there. Thank you. All right, let's talk Iowa. Let's get it over with. Oh, brother. What's to let's say? begin with Iowa. Begin hey, with the uh, this is from Des Moines Register. Six precincts that help explain the success of Trump and DeSantis in 2024 Iowa caucuses. Unlike several recent Iowa caucus races, Monday's Republican voting lacks suspense at the top with former President Trump cruising to a landslide victory that was declared in some eyes too early before caucusing had even finished. Um, the, there was more intrigue in the race for second where Florida Governor Ron DeSantis slipped by former UN Ambassador Nikki Haley. The two finished in a distant second and third, respectively. And the most immediate consequence of the evening being that businessman Vivek Ramaswamy dropped out, form, followed by former Governor of Arkansas Asa Hutchison. ASAP. Hutchison. ASAP. We need to call him ASAP. Asa, ASAP. Asa, ASAP. Uh, so now there are four. Um, this is I, I pulled this article up and I want folks to to read it because they actually dissected the the vote pretty exhaustively uh, by each county and and uh, kind of what the what that meant for each county, uh, which which I thought was rather interesting. Um, it was the lowest turnout of an Iowa caucus in a very 000. long time. Hundred ten thousand. Yeah, and. A lot. Part of it was due to weather, um, and of course, Carl Rove said, "Oh, this is this could be bad news for Trump." Nonsense! If the voters aren't enthusiastic, like, are you kidding me? Like, you can't make that stuff up. It, it. So anyway, here's the here's the takeaway from the article. Yeah, Trump did not do well in Polk County. Yeah, Iowa's largest. He came in third behind. Uh, uh, no, this was twenty six, and while he actually earned fewer votes from Polk County this year. His relative performance improved significantly. His margin of victory was larger than his margin of defeat. He performed well in Des Moines' fast-growing suburbs, winning majorities of the precincts in most of them and half of the precincts in Ankeny, the, the largest suburb. Ankeny. He earned more votes from Ankeny Precinct 22 in the northwest part of the city than any other precinct in Polk County. Much of Trump's improvement from 2016 involved picking up ground in suburban areas like this one it was a complete blowout in the rural counties but he actually picked up suburban voters yeah even after all of this well yeah yeah but no so, yeah but no i mean he, he only got he only got a little bit more than a third of the suburban voters in the in in iowa right he got about 37 percent. so mm -hmm. you know it, it I mean, the two things, the, the big number out of the, the look, it's exactly what we expected. Trump like dominated out in rural um, and he did just, he did well enough in the suburbs. Like he won, it was biggest win ever in Iowa in a contested race in Iowa, right? It was like whatever the hell it was, 29 points by the time it was over, right? Previous yeah. largest win had been 13 points. So no way around it, right? Guy guy just dominated the, uh, the so that's one. And he dominated uh, every demographic, right? He won every demographic. Even the 37% in the suburbs was enough to make him the number one candidate in the suburbs. But two-thirds of the suburbs still voted against him, right? Two-thirds two of the suburban yeah, yeah. voters still voted against him, right? That's a yeah. pattern we've seen before. We'll see it again. The other, the other interesting thing is um, back in 2016, there were 187,000 votes cast. And last, you know, last whatever, Tuesday, Monday, it was um, 110,000 votes, right? So... More than a third, they had more than a third dropout, closer to forty percent, um, 
reduction in Sorry. votes. And, and it was like, oh, that was cold. Dude, it's it's January in Iowa. It's always cold. So, you know. Yeah. So what so what do you think that means? I think that means we're done. We're I think I think Iowa's probably had the last caucus that's ever gonna happen. Mm. I, I think the Republicans are now gonna follow the Democrats and rework their um rework their primary calendar. Mm-hmm. Because it's just, mm-hmm. it's just too much effort for for you know too few people. Uh, yeah. I, I, you know, and, and New Hampshire is no better. So I think we're gonna. I think we're heading. It's towards almost, our, it's almost like it's part of their economic. Yeah. You know, it's a part of their economy because all, all that money that flows in there every four years, right? Yeah, it's a racket. Yeah. So, so I, I mean, t- to my mind, biggest takeaway was I think Donald Trump finished the election, finished the nomination, right? I don't. I don't see how anybody survives any of this. Well, the never Trumpers are holding out on that. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. But it's it, a big it, surprise on it, on um, in New Hampshire, on, yeah, in New Hampshire, Tuesday. and then boom, you know, because you know George Bush won Iowa, and yeah, I mean, lost I, that, New Hampshire, and uh, you know, yeah. and then he became president. So it's not over till it's over. You, you want to talk about New Hampshire for ten seconds? Says the Carl Roves of the world. You want so, to talk about New Hampshire for 10 uh, I want to let, let me let me just say this. Yeah, just, sure. What? Okay. So in my opinion, um, uh, this was as expected. Yeah. A little, uh, little, do, little worse. I do than think I that I do think that coming in second is uh, is what will uh, keep Ron DeSantis viable in the future. Because everyone, no one's gonna, you know, people aren't gonna remember the day to day stuff, but they're gonna remember he came in second. Yeah. In my opinion. Um, and then. Um, you know, I'm I'm glad now that the charade of Vivek Ramaswamy actually running for president is over because it's all he's always been running as Trump's surrogate in the debates and so on and so forth. And now he's endorsed him and he's on the on the bandwagon. So that's fine. It's all good. Uh, but you know, I just I still don't know what this means for Nikki Haley, and I don't think she wins her own state. So if no. even if she does fairly well in New Hampshire and she can't like win her state. No, I don't think she's going. She comes in third in her state. I think she's that's she, she's going to come in third in her state. She's going to she, right because I think DeSantis is going to be yep. more popular. Yep. It, it so is. how does she like? How do the how does that crowd? How do they how do they gel that? The right? the the only question there's there's two questions in my mind. I don't know. Well, there's there's two questions in one thought. First off, my first thought is. Does this mean I can make fun of Vivek Ramaswamy's last name again? I think it does because he's just a private citizen. Only on this show. You can't do it on that other podcast. Yeah, well, I'm not going on that other podcast again because because <laughs> those guys are those guys are uptight and they're all worried about what what jobs they're going to get in the administration. Um, I think I think I'm just going to have a, a a social ban on people who are like you know all tangled up with that idea. Anyway, um, so that's one Vivek Ramaswamy. Um, the question in New Hampshire is. Um, what are the Democrats going to do? Because keep in mind, Democrats can vote in the Republican primary. Are they going to vote for Trump in an attempt to sabotage the Republicans? Or are they going to vote for Haley in an attempt to make it you know, drag on for a bit? My best guess is Trump's going to win New Hampshire by 10 or 12 points and finish this thing, right? Yeah. So I'd say this, the Democrats are playing a very dangerous game because they – it's almost – like we've talked about this in, in – I don't think that they're all playing a 3D chess per se, but they really do want Trump to be the nominee. Yeah, I think they're starting to rethink that, though. Well, although, now I do. Although it's pretty, they, pretty, but the, 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 it's the, pretty the, late the in the game. Sailed, right? Pretty, like, pr- pretty late to decide sailed, that. Yeah, right? yeah, I agree. I agree. Pretty late so, to decide that. Pretty late to change your mind on that. Yeah. 
So I think they've been, and, and, and if he wins, then it's just going to be like, we are just in for it. Right. We are in for it. Basically. I think, so. I think, I think this much, right. Everybody has been surprised Republicans and Democrats at president Trump's ability to maintain discipline. He has sat down in Florida and he's raised money. He's, you know, he's raising money and he's not really saying anything. I don't want to say he's running a basement campaign, but he's essentially running a basement campaign, you know, and his, his campaign has been more disciplined. He himself has been more disciplined. And I think that's what surprised everybody. And if everybody's like me, they're all sitting around going, okay, eventually he's going to pop, right? Cause he's going to have yeah. to, but the thing, well, even if he pops, they're not even covering him. Like MSNBC, MSNBC refused to air his speech, but instead we got to listen uh, to Rachel Maddow. The COVID will prevent you from getting COVID vaccine will prevent yeah. you from getting COVID Maddow. You know, talk about how NBC care you know cares about truth and refuses to air lies. <laughs> That's literally what happened. Whatever they didn't run his speech like. And they're the ones who are like, oh, we're defending democracy. They are defending right? democracy. We're not playing the opponents. You know, we're, we're cutting off his his access to the airwaves. It, 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 like, where does that happen? What countries does that happen? It, it, it's a mistake, right? Because, it, you know, if you if you think about, you know, pres I've said this before, I'll say it again. President Trump is like everybody else in this planet. He's his own worst enemy. And if you just let him talk, he'll eventually blow himself up. But not if they're not there to pay attention. It it that that's you know that to my mind that's the most important thing, right? That that the Iowa thing was a basement campaign, and he won by the largest majority ever. And if I was him, that's working. Keep doing it, right? And the three guys in charge of the campaign: Chris Lasavita, Brian Jack, yeah, he gets a lot of credit, and Susie Wiles, right? Those three guys, two guys, they get a lot girl, of credit. They deserve a lot of credit. They, they do. They have figured out how to channel his impulses and professionalize the operation. I, I'm starting to think this guy might be president again. Well, I also uh, he didn't run Iowa the way normal, like the way yeah. the Sanders ran Iowa that everyone else does. He airdropped in a few times, and he had—I mean, he obviously had a ground game and, uh, much and, more than he did last time, but not the kind of retail stuff that you and know. I, and I think that's he's what, running as an incumbent president. Yes, he's running as an incumbent. Right? But the thing is, is that requires discipline, and so far, so yeah. far, the discipline has been there among his staff and among him. It's been very When's New Hampshire uh, Tuesday. It's been very impressive. I think he's going to win in New Hampshire. Right, I think so, he's going to win in North South Carolina. I think we're going to be done with this thing. All right, so we will uh, we will uh, pick this back up. I mean, truthfully, next week, truthfully, we'll I think, record after Tuesday. Truthfully, so. I think we're done now. I think we're done now. I, 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 I say that I say that without there. relish. The, I'm sorry, Tom. Same, but there are some acts of God type stuff that you know we keep talking about. Yeah. So. yeah. All right. Um, I alluded to this earlier, and I, I'm just I'm saddened. If if for any reason, I don't know how much more we'll get, uh, uh, how much more material we'll get from him. Uh, it it's a sad day. It's a sad day in our in our in our lives. Special Envoy Kerry is calling it quits. He's calling it quits, Michael. I I heard he was he's ready. He's he's ready to to help Joe Biden. <laughs> this is my favorite part. He's ready to help Joe Biden. 
spread the word about the importance of his mission on climate change with yeah. the electorate. Yeah. That, it, you know, if you think about... He's not retiring. He made that clear in Davos. No, why would oh, he? Oh, no, I'm not retiring. Why would I'm he? just moving. I'm just changing course on my mission. You know, I've been thinking about this, and I think it's genius, because if you're the Biden campaign, I mean, what do you need more out there on the on the campaign trail <laughs> than yet another shuffling 80-year-old guy who's fighting like the last, you know, fighting the last seven wars of his life, right? And what what else do you need other than a guy who, you know, you mean a guy who like you don't think that the constant just, licking of his lips is gonna go well with the youths? I'm what? I, you know, all right. Like I said, more shuffling, more shuffling. Okay, so I pulled this in my research. <laughs> I was looking for the perfect article to to book in or to talk about this, and I found something from a a kid at. Uh, MRC Media Research Center. Sure. This is great. This is a guy named Pete Gardner Goldsmith. Pete Gardner. Sadness rebounds. John Kerry to resign from Climate Czar Post. The year is only two weeks old and already among the terrible world news, we've been dealt another tragic blow. On Saturday, January 13th, beloved lurcher and lurker hiding behind fake stats and Sophistic claims of environmental enlightenment. Climate czar John Kerry announced he's vacating the auspicious post he has been using to save the planet. So many tears. One wonders if stock and facial tissues will rise due to the horrible news. So mean. Among many reporters who got us the soul-searing info, the New York Times' Lisa Friedman breaks it to us gentle or genteel, considering Kerry's haughty personality. John Kerry, this is Lisa, President Biden's special envoy for climate plans to step down by spring, ending a three-year run in a major diplomatic role that was created especially for him and which will face an uncertain future with his departure. Who could so replace anyway. him? Who could replace him? Who could replace him? Come on, man. It's, it's like- all, There's all, there's, <laughs> he just quotes all these reporters about how, oh, and he's just- he restored the United States' role, and you know, it's just great. Now, I have a theory about why John Kerry's retiring. You want to hear it? Sure, sure. Yeah the the Boston um, Herald apparently was finally uh, in receipt of some FOIA requests that they have been asking for about as long as we've been asking for FOIA requests from certain government agencies. And they finally got a rundown of the salaries of the employees in Senator Kerry's vaunted climate, whatever czar office that's ensconced over at the Department of State. Guess what? I don't even want to think. $4.3 million a year taxpayers that are being billed for this special project of 4.3 million 4.3 million dollars a year that's less than i would thought i was going to guess more i'm glad Uh, well the average salary for the crack team the median salary is 170k and the highest paid staffer not no not sure if it's carrie himself is Receiving a whopping one hundred eighty-seven thousand dollars. So they're all at the top of the federal scale. 
So, uh, yeah, no names, however, all the names are, uh, have been redacted because, you know, it would be just a terrible thing to know who's, you know, managing our government and who's managing the, this, that, this critical stuff. existential threat. How so could, how could government salaries not be, how could they be secret? What the they, hell? Well, they don't want, uh, they want to protect their identities. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They, they have no, they have no expectation of privacy. They work for the government. Yeah, that's it's crazy. State Department told the Herald they considered the foreseeable harm standard in exempting names of government employees and titles. Oh, so, golly. I'm telling you, FOIA yeah. is a completely broken process. Yeah, we need to 100, fix it. Percent. We need yeah, to fix it. Percent. Anyway, what I understand from the Herald is is that, um, and also the Comer guys are working on it, is they're going to eventually get the, you know, get all the all the information out on there. So I, my guess is he's, he's just like, I don't, I don't need to deal with any of that stuff. I don't right. understand why Comer doesn't get like, just invite him to testify and get him under oath and just say, who's your deputy? Who's their who's deputy? Daddy? Just who's, who's their deputy? Daddy? Just, just work through it, work through it. How much do you pay him? I'll get him under oath and just ask him these questions. Make him say, Hey, look, I, you know, advice accounts, I'm going to take the fifth amendment on this. I mean, what, how, he can't say no. He can't say, I don't know the name of that person. Right. I mean, there's three dozen people in the office. You must know them all. You hired them all. I, this, this really upsets me. I'm guessing one tell. of them might be uh, very close to home, but I could be wrong. Oh. Uh, okay. So huh. interesting. And then there were uh, 45 John Duncan from South Carolina. Jeff, 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 Jeff Duncan, sorry, from South Carolina has announced his uh, retirement, the latest uh, member to announce he will not seek reelection. Yeah. Uh, 23 of these seats are Democrat held and 21 come from the Republican column. Yeah. Um, have we talked about yeah, this? Another energy guy too. We lost Johnson. We're losing. Uh, oh, we lost uh, everybody. Energy and Jeff commerce. Duncan. It's like a kind of a washout, right? Yeah, and energy and commerce. Sorry. That that committee is going to look radically different next year, especially after we move jurisdiction on energy over to um, uh, resources. That will be a that will be a goal of ours. It, will, for sure. it, it's a, it is a goal of ours. Um, yeah, at forty four, I actually looked into this because I because I I. I'm, I'm starting to get a little concerned around the edges. So I assume given it's January, we've seen the last of it. Uh, averages, I think 35 or 36 or 37. So we're on the top end, right? We're, we're, we're starting yeah. to edge into some, some unknown territory. I think with a lot of these Republicans, not Duncan, right? He left because he had to leave or it was prudent for him to leave. Let's say it that way. Yeah. I mean, there are probably some personal issues there, but we don't need to get into That's that right. stuff. That's um, right. It was prudently. Um, some of these Republicans have obviously made it, a conclusion, a decision, an assessment that we're going to come back in the minority because otherwise these guys would be ranker. These guys would be chairman of subcommittees. Some of them would be chairman. Well, I mean, of there are 23 D's that are leaving too. So right. they could be making the exact same calculation. And that's exactly, that's exactly what I was about to say that you've got a bunch of D's on the other side who are making exactly the opposite calculation that right. yeah, I think they're coming back in the minority and they're sick of it and they don't want to play anymore. Either that or the D's are coming back with like, the other possible thought that's floating around people's heads, and I know it's floating around some members' heads, former members' heads, soon-to-be former members' heads, is, you know, in a Trump administration, they want to grow up to be deputy secretaries or secretaries or ambassadors or whatever. Well, and the other thing, too, is if they're – for those who are leaving early, um, you know, their their year ban can start sooner. But I don't, I don't know if he's leaving – I think he's serving out his term, right? He's serving out his term, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Although he's, he's, it's pretty deep. I mean, we're talking about the end of January now. You're starting to get pretty deep into the cycle to actually um, let somebody replace you in an organized, orderly fashion because now people are, they're going to have to raise money from a primary, et cetera, et cetera. It would have been better to say something six months ago. Yeah. Although for all you know, he told somebody six months ago, he says, hey, I'm well, doing this, so get ready. Right, yeah. I don't know if it was six months ago because you know this, the bad stuff happened more recently, but the the district itself is plus 44. Right, which means primaries. <laughs> I mean, again. it's just like, can there be a more Republican district in the grand old, you know, no, grand not, old United States? Not in South so, Carolina, the the heartland of the Confederacy. Plus no. forty four. I mean, that's insane. It's ridiculous. Well, another uh, interesting tidbit that I that that I picked up this week was that our friend Garrett could be Garrett Graves could be in grave danger. Mike, I know. Uh, for our listeners, to, uh, so apparently Louisiana was yet another state that has been um, wrangling with uh, redistricting and the way that the, the 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 seats were drawn, and the Republicans uh, reached out, reached pretty hard, and uh, now are getting swatted back a bit in the courts. And so the theory is, is it if it's inevitable that we're going to have to create another uh, majority minority district, we might as well control that. And the leadership, including the governor, want to protect uh, the speaker and um, Julia Letlow, which would basically leave Garrett Graves high and dry. I was asked about this by a reporter just today, as a matter of fact. I will tell you what I told her. That makes me sad. Well, the whole thing is going to play out a little bit more because apparently the Democrats would prefer to take Congresswoman Letlow out and preserve uh, the Honorable Graves. Uh, and so that's what they're pushing for is a, is a different uh, a different map. And what does so, that tell you about Garrett Graves? I, gee, I don't know. Maybe they would prefer him because he did their bidding. Uh, and what does it tell you that the governor and the rest of the delegation would rather not protect him? That's right. That's exactly what it tells you. Eventually, not tomorrow and not next week so and not next month. Walk, so but, you think walking around saying that Steve Scalise is down to his last breath probably isn't wasn't a I don't think it helped. I don't I don't think it helped. Eventually, and, and I'm looking forward <laughs> to this moment. Eventually we are going to um wash all of the uh, McCarthy problem children out of our hair. And that will be a good day for, for American democracy. That's all I'm going to say. All right. So to be continued, uh, let's move on, shall we, to energy? Yo. This is going to be a long show. we got a lot to cover That's still. okay. We'll hurry it up. All right. Look. Uh, the, the producer will make it. this article the up producer from Reuters. This came out this morning, actually. Global coal exports and power generation. Are you ready? Set a record last Hit year. Hit record highs in 2023. 8.3 billion tons, right? Worldwide electricity generation from coal hit record highs this last year, while thermal coal exports surpassed 1 billion metric tons for the first time as coal's use in power systems continues to grow, despite Davos, despite widespread efforts to cut back on fossil fuels. This is your number. Coal-fired electricity generation was 8,000 
295 terawatt hours through October, up 1% from the same period in 2022 and the highest on record. How King could, Cole, baby. How could that be, Tom? I don't, I don't, I don't understand. Everybody pledged to stop using it, didn't they? How? What? I thought Cole was dead. I thought Cole was dead. Isn't Cole dead? Boy, Carrie said. Isn't I? Well, I can see why he's quitting. Cole quit. is dead. I can see why he's quitting. I mean, he's done his job, right? I mean, Cole's at record Cole. highs. Isn't that what he got on board for? <laughs> here's an here's here's within the arc. The continued expansion in coal use and emissions. Oh, emissions were record highs also from coal-fired electricity. You know what? If I was obviously, if I was a member of the coal community, I swear to God, I might, I might have put out a press release like saying, "Please don't go," because you've been great for us. Yeah. Uh, the continued expansion in coal use and emissions provides a stark reminder to climate trackers that the quote high polluting power fuel uh, remains integral in key power systems, even as solar, wind, and other clean energy sources are deployed at record rates. So, King Colby. I, 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 I actually put this in my end-of-the-year um, predictions, right? I predicted that next year we'd set another record in coal use. Which is, if the economies are going to expand... They're going to expand using coal. I, I, I don't know how to. I mean, the Europeans are basically landlocked as far as energy sources now because they they won't use their own coal and they turned off their nuclear plants. That, that means India and China are just going to just go nuts with the coal thing. Yeah, I, I, it's yeah. it's whatever. <laughs> it, it's it's just like it's you're. All it's like you're watching this weird French absurdist comedy and like none of it makes any sense. You're just like, you yeah. Guys, you guys keep talking about this stuff like. And then it never happens. At some point, you're really yeah. like, okay, that's not going to happen. Yeah, and then we keep having to like deal with it. So maybe we're maybe we're part of this. Maybe we're a part of the circus act as well, fighting it all the time. Maybe we should just move on because no matter what they do, the laws of of nature, the laws of energy, the laws of physics, all everything just keeps rolling in front of energy. Their energy is additive. It always is. People right. always, which tells you something about what people want, right? They want more energy. They need more energy. People are always going to use more energy. As well they should. As well they should. It, 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 as well they should. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Just like I said, like you said, sometimes you're like, are we locked in some kind of weird kabuki that we don't understand? Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's one. Uh, I call this, will you look at that? The market's working. This is from the New York Times uh, uh, yesterday. Hybrid cars enjoy a renaissance as all electric sales slow. As Teslas and other EVs dazzle car buyers with futuristic technology and dreams of a gasoline-free future, hybrid cars began to seem like yesterday's news. Sales of the Toyota Prius standard bearer of hybrids fell 85% over a decade. Now... The slowdown in the growth of electric car sales has led GM, Ford, Volkswagen to walk back ambitious targets for those vehicles, and sales of hybrids are robust, underscoring what may be the enduring reality check of 2023. Many Americans are hugely receptive to electrification, but they're not ready for a fully electric car. Americans bought a record 1.2 EVs last year, blah, 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 blah. But hybrid sales rose even faster, up 65% to more than 1.2 million, lifting their market share to 8% from 5.5%, et cetera, et cetera. 
Uh, buyers pay an average of $42,500 on average for hybrids in November, compared to $60,500 for EVs and $47,500 for conventional models. And of course, this is, uh, you know, taking into account subsidies and everything else, right? So they're probably still more con uh, expensive than conventionals if you take out all the government largesse. But the point that uh, of this is, yeah, no duh, right? Because it's actually an improvement. If if fuel efficiency is something you value, then a hybrid is actually an improvement over a conventional vehicle, right? In the, in terms of of if that's something you're looking for, yeah. As opposed to the opposite of what's going on with EVs. So yeah, if you just let consumers make purchasing decisions instead of the government and auto manufacturers powtowing to them, then yes, then hybrid cars probably would not have slowed down at all in the first place. Um, yeah, I mean, and there would be a bigger penetration of them by now. Uh, but either way, it's a it's a nice compromise, right? If you want like some of the features of an EV, but want assurances that you're going to get from A to B. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it it your your point is, and I think the data is telling you that that um, EVs are scavenging, EVs are scavenging um, hybrid sales, and I think we're going to see that more and more. And you know, if eventually, eventually, <laughs> I don't know when, eventually, guys who make hybrids are going to figure out, hey, we need to start lobbying against that seventy five hundred dollar tax credit and the free chargers because these guys are scavenging our sales. Yeah, I, I, you know, the, the funny thing is, they're not scavenging the sales of like. F-150s or Mustangs or, you know, Suburbans, they're scavenging the sales of hybrids, the same size, basically same class hybrids, right? You know, um, yeah. I don't want to say the, the Subarus of the world, but the Subarus of the world. Sorry. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I got one more on energy. I've got one more. I'm going to let that go. I got one more on energy. This is from, again, uh, our friend, Mr. Goldsmith from MRC TV. Yeah. Uh, irony. One of U.S. government's EV promoters just banned e-bikes and scooters. Hmm. The moral and constitutional problems of federal mandates and subsidies for EVs and green tech schemes are manifest and numerous, but the practical horrors of these centrally planned, politically pushed products are now only appearing on many radars. For example, uh, blah, blah, blah. one of the most prominent organizations promoting so-called sustainable energy solutions i.e. EVs, solar schemes, and unreliable wind, to name a few, just banned electric bikes and scooters inside its Golden Colorado headquarters due to fire risks. Wow. Who? Who's that? I don't know. Who's in Golden Colorado, Mike? Come on. The Rocky Mountain Institute. No, the other, the other one, the DOE one. Oh, NREL? Yes. You're kidding me. <laughs> no. <they> just... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I miss this. That's fun. <laughs> According to NREL's fire marshal, Nicholas Bartlett, micromobility devices such as electric scooters and bikes are no longer permitted to be charged or stored in the buildings. Did anybody ask for an explanation? Bartlett wrote, <laughs> Bartlett quote, this is the, this is the NREL guy. The data in the past few years shows an alarming trend of, in, trend of injuries and deaths as demonstrated by entities such as NYFD and the UL Fire Safety Research Institute. The fires and explosions are attributed to a wide variety of causes such as mismatched chargers, overcharging, uncertified listed batteries, poor manufacturing quality, 
homemade devices, et cetera, we cannot necessarily control what people purchase and use, but in some instances, we are able to put restrictions on where and when and how an activity can be done. <laughs> he just literally just said, these things are taking time bombs are not allowed in our building. This is NREL. I, I love it. <laughs> okay. That's it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thank you, Joe Manchin. This is the greatest thing ever. This is All like, right. This, so moving this is, on. 30 years from now, there's going to be like hundreds, thousands of doctoral dissertations done on the EV experiment in America. I'm looking forward to it. We're going to be listed in there somewhere as the, as John Kerry said, the purveyors of misinformation and fear. So we're going to be listed as the guys who showed up at John Kerry's funeral and prayed for his wretched soul. All right. D Davos. Let's do a quick Davos section. Uh, the world economic forum in full swing. Everybody's there. I'm not there. all the celebs, all the government guys. They're all there. Okay. The, the 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 elite, the ones who make all of our decisions, move all of our money. They're out. They're out there changing the world, new world order. Uh, the winner so far this week has been the new president of Argentina, who was welcomed warmly uh, by the um, Grand Poobah of the World Economic Forum, our friend. Klaus, Klaus von Hitler. Klaus von Hitler. Yeah. I was welcomed. Javier. Even I to the to the podium in which he promptly said, quote, I'm here to tell you that the Western world is in danger. And it is endangered because those who are supposed to have to defend the values of the West are co-opted by a vision of the world that inexorably leads to socialism and therefore, thereby to poverty. Unfortunately, in recent decades, motivated by some well-meaning individuals willing to help others and others motivated by the wish to belong to a privileged caste, the main leaders of the Western world have abandoned the model of freedom for different versions of what we call collectivism. We are here to tell you that collectivist experiments are never the solution to the problems that afflict the citizens of the world Rather, they are the root cause. Mike Trout. Seriously, man. Can can we get that guy to be can we get that guy to run for president in our country? That is exactly. We should just end it now, declare him. <laughs> just, just be done. We got our right. we got our we got our nominee. All we need to do is figure out a way around the constitution and we're set. Yeah. Did you hear too he banned the word free in terms of like yes. Government services? Yes. <laughs> so I, I that was pretty good. I kind of like it. It's got a, it's got a yeah. certain message vibe to it. I dig it. Because I always say that whenever so when someone says, "Oh, I went to the Smithsonian. It's great. It's free." I'm like, actually, no. I, uh, it's subsidized by the taxpayers. But I get your point. So. <laughs> I take your point, even though it's wrong. So uh, Paul Ryan was hanging out at Davos. Who? Paul Ryan. Who? Remember that guy? Yeah, he's he's hanging out with the, with the cool kids, tra trashing. Trashing Trump. I'm sorry. Isn't so. isn't what is he? Is he as I as I as I am about to write in a column about Governor Haley? Isn't he one of the last of the Weimar Republicans? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, the the second runner up winner of the of the week was Jamie Dimon. 
And yeah. Jamie had this to say in a recent interview. Hit it. I wish the Democrats would think a little more carefully when they talk about MAGA, you know, and you, if you travel this country, you know, and the country's unbelievable. We took our bus trip this year, and Leslie Picker was on Spokane and Boise and Bozeman. People are growing. They're hungry to grow. They're innovating. It's, it's everywhere. It's not just Silicon Valley. So we've got this great hand. But when people say MAGA, they're actually looking at people voting for Trump, and they think they're voting, and they're basically scapegoating them, that you are like him. Uh, and, but I don't think they're voting for Trump because of his family values. Now, if you look, just take a step back, be honest. He was kind of right about NATO, kind of right about immigration. Mm-hmm. He grew the economy quite well. China, Trade, China ta- virus. Tax reform worked. Mm-hmm. He was right about some of China. I don't, th- I don't like no, what he did. No, I said China virus. Yeah, I understand. When he, when he, yeah. he may have been right. He, he, and I don't like how he said things about I Mexico. I don't like... But he wasn't wrong about some of these critical issues. And that's why they're voting for him. And, and I think people should be a little more respectful of our fellow citizens. You got two guys who are, who are undergoing some very public conversions, right? One of them is Bill Ackman. Who has figured out? Who has figured out that people at Harvard and Penn and places like that don't like him because he's not a Marxist, not because he's Jewish or not Jewish or whatever. It's because they're Marxist and he's not. Um, and he's slowly figuring that out. And now you have Jamie Dimon who's figuring out. Okay, here's why people are voting for Trump because he's more right than wrong. And at some fundamental level, there's a value in being right on this stuff. Yeah, there's a value of doing stuff, right? That's too. right. It, um, it, 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 it's fun to watch these rich guys figure out that they may have been thinking about the world the wrong way. And I'm glad – let me just say before you get going, I'm grateful. I'm always yeah, grateful. I'm always grateful when, when people acknowledge that, hey, man, I might not have been right about this. Yeah, okay. So um, uh, I have a clip. I have two more clips for this section. And and I call this segment like father like daughter. Let's play the first clip. I'm trying to find a way every day to be able to communicate to people what the urgency really is and why it is that uh, we need to more and more take seriously uh, what the scientists are telling us and what Mother Nature is telling us on a pretty regular basis. In addition to that, the quality of the air, which comes directly from uh, greenhouse gas emissions, is killing 7 million people a year around the planet. Uh, And uh, when I say killing them, I mean I'm talking about literally the disease that you get because you're breathing in particulates. Uh, and the levels of cancer, the levels of uh, complications for people with heart disease or emphysema and so forth are clear scientifically. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with that. He conflates carbon dioxide, which is not a pollutant. It's plant food. Human beings consume it and exhale it every second. He conflates carbon dioxide with actual air pollutants, actual air toxics, which is especially in the developing world, do kill people at a great rate. But you know what? Everything that he wants to spend money on would essentially preclude people addressing that stuff. You know, there's only so much money you have. Folks in the developing world, they understand. They want to, they want to spend yeah. their money. They want to spend their money saving, saving lives, not, not, not wasting money. Yeah. I, yeah. Either he's I, really, either he's, he's po- really dumb. I was going to say. He's, 
either he's really not smart or he's he's just he's absolutely shameful he's intentionally lying those are your two options there's not a third one floating around out there he's either an idiot who doesn't understand anything he's been talking about for three years or he's lying to you three years three years whatever well i mean just a special envoy a special envoy all right right, let's play the second clip uh because i think that uh she has learned well the climate crisis is a health crisis fundamentally and that actually means it is a crisis therefore also of our stability our security our economic growth and our fundamental future as a globe this is a problem happening here and now today 2023 was an apocalyptic year in terms of extreme weather events and what we've seen happen i'm sorry who's that vanessa carey (laughs) okay um uh an apocalyptic event, a public apocalyptic year in what in weather events. Well, there, there's the, there's the rhetoric is strong in this young this young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also completely inaccurate. Of course, and of course, I cut out the part where she completely made some bogus claims about uh, flooding as a result of climate change, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, she has been taught well by her father. Yeah. And, I suspect that she potentially could take that role. Um, I think she could slide in right, right, nice, nicely for the climate czarina. Yikes! Let's hope not. I would encourage everybody, if you don't already, subscribe to Roger Pilkey's Substack. Um, he goes through the details on this in excruciating um, uh, specificity with excruciating specificity. Um, but glad. it's all it's all great stuff. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm glad you brought that up. I also uh, refer you to Ryan Maui, whose take on right. that little clip was full tilt climate alarmism in terms of weather and climate extremes. Even during a strong El Nino, 2023 was a relatively quiet year compared to humans' histories. Human history's worst years, 19, sorry, 13, 15, 14, 16, 18, 16, 18, 17, 78. Modern human society has never been better equipped to handle mother nature yeah so. i mean it's it's it, it, it's pretty simple right the the more cash you have the better you're able to um yeah insulate yourself from whatever nature is going to send you no matter what it is all right so I, as, as, witness, gonna... as witnessed by the fact that you got people living in barrier islands all along the atlantic coast for god's yeah. sake <laughs> in huge houses these enormous houses yeah. Hurricane... on massive stilts as, and like as elevators re- and... as recently as 50 yeah. years ago they'd all been blown away and washed out to sea in hurricanes yeah. but yeah some still do but you yeah. get like one or two a year Nothing. All right, let's shift to sports really quickly and then let's get the hell out of here because we're over an hour yo uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal, and I brought this in uh, for you, Mike, because yeah. I thought it was uh, the stunning collapse of the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, man. Giants beat them in the last game of the year. Anybody who saw that game knew the, the Eagles weren't going to survive a playoff game. Coming off a Super Bowl appearance and with the best record in the league after 12 weeks, a wild card playoff loss cemented a stunning collapse. But there were signs of their issues even before they fell apart. Yeah. So like nobody like nobody in their secondary could tackle, which is a huge problem in a league that now where people throw 45 times a game at you. It Yeah. It the interesting thing about the Eagles is not the collapse. The interesting thing is is that the architect of the collapse, Nick Sirianni, the head coach, is going to be kept 
They're going to fire the offensive and defensive coordinators. Well, but yeah, it's like the cash. It's like the Yankees syndrome. It's right? insane. I don't even care. I don't even care. But it's insane. They and, started ten and one. Yeah, they were fine. Look, just think about the two Giants games. Right, they beat the Giants. The Giants were the last team they beat. Right. And they beat him in like week 11 or 12. And they beat him pretty badly. I think it was like 31-7, something like that. And it was the third time in a row they'd beaten the Giants like by a combined score of 108 to 15 or something. Um, and then the Giants wiped him out in the last game of the season. And I know Philadelphia fans can be like, well, but Jalen didn't play the last half. It's because the Giants busted his finger. So, you know, the, the, the deterioration could be seen week to week. They got worse over the weeks. It wasn't like they had a, they had a bad hiccup. They got worse over weeks. And then, you know, Baker Mayfield, of all people, just ran them out of the playoffs like they weren't even there. And that score was 32, what was it, 32-9, 32-7, 32-9. It's 32-9. That could have been 55-9 because the, the Tampa Bay <laughs> dropped like eight touchdowns. It was embarrassing. Yeah. I, I yep. the, fact that, the fact that the Eagles are keeping this guy and the fact that the Cowboys are keeping Mike McCarthy tells me that both of these franchises – think their fans are idiots and will pay for mediocrity. If that yeah, sounds we, familiar, it should. Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm getting used to that myself. All right. Can we do, can we do picks real quick? Are you, is that it? Yeah. One more. Yeah. We can do picks, but then I got to close. Okay. That's cool. Let's do picks before you All close. Right. Um, four games. Let's go around. Producer going to start with you. Lions and bucks. Lions. Okay. So they're going to lose. What do, you, what do you think he was going to say? I was thinking he was going to say Bucks. Um, 49ers. <laughs> going to be a hell of a game. 49ers Green Bay. That's it's not. It's going to be a terrible game. 49ers Green Bay. 49ers. Uh, Bills Chiefs. Yeah, that's uh, tough. That's the tough one in this crowd. Uh, there were a lot of injuries in the Bills game last week, right? Yeah, there were. There were a ton of them. And one of their star linebackers. They got the Chiefs at home. Bills. Yeah. Uh, wow, look at you Baltimore, going with your heart. Baltimore, seriously. Baltimore, Texas. Baltimore. Really? Yeah. Um, Lamar Jackson to win an important playoff game? All right. All right, Tom. Lions, Bucks. Uh, I hate to do this to my producer, but the Bucks are on a roll, man. They beat them 26 early in the season. Though. That was before. 20 to 6? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got to go with the Bucks, dude. The Bucks. He's, he's, he, come on, man. You know what? You took my bills. I'll take the Lions. That, it's not. I, I'm with you, man. I'm with you, producer. San Francisco, Green Bay. Uh, I'm going Niners. Baltimore, Texas. Texas. Bills, Chiefs. <sighs> this is my hurt. This is my hurt. This is my hurt. What am I supposed to say? I'm You're supposed to say who you think's going to win. I'm going to go Bills. Why? Do you think I they're going to win? win the Super Bowl this year? I predicted them to win the Super Bowl. So you want to be wrong twice. They you... peaked at the right time. Uh, they're rolling. Come on, man. It's going to happen. They're going to overcome the curse of the Chiefs this year. Okay. Um, That's my take. I'll make it easy. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to win. San Francisco is going to win. The Bills are, in fact, going to win because they are touched by God this year. For whatever reason, they're going to win. And Texas is going to beat Baltimore because I am not convinced Lamar Jackson could put an entire game together in the playoffs. All, All right, right. Back to you. All right. We're going to wrap it up with – speaking of cold, yeah. we're going to wrap it up with the Christian way to answer a stupid question. Um, the weather has been a factor in some of the playoff games, even for the most prepared teams uh, today. It's uh, 13 in uh, Detroit, which doesn't compare to some of the temperatures <coughs> we've got to. 
any special plans to acclimate the team to not only uh, endure but perform in those kind of frigid temperatures should you face them in Detroit? You do know we play indoors, right? They got a dome. <laughs> I don't. Um, no, nothing planned. We're indoors, and we only have to be outside for 20 seconds getting off the bus going under the thing, so we'll be okay. Thanks for, thanks for paying attention. <laughs> I mean, how do you not love Todd Bowles? I mean, he is awesome. Uh, we play indoors. <laughs> We got, I think, I think we'll be okay now. 20 seconds between the bus and the. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, 165. The long episode is in the books. Peace out. Namaste.